Personal log, William Riker. I've just come back from shore leave on Risa. <laughs> I spend most of my time playing this game where I put things in orifices. Oh, wait, that came out wrong. Delete log entry. <laughs> Welcome to Re-Engage, where we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek The Next Generation and re-engage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the Gen X kids we were when it first aired. Today we're talking about the sixth episode of season five, The Game. And I'm so excited to welcome my fellow cultural bridge officers to discuss this extremely non-paranoid take on Pac-Man addiction, as well as welcome a returning guest to re-engage. First, we'll say hi to our uh, bridge officers. Hi, Kate, how you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just finishing up a quick game. Everything's fine. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Jimmy G, are you at level 47? I'm at 147 in a bowl of big ass chocolate. Mm. <laughs> mm. We'll get to the hedonistic nature mm. of that uh, as we go on to Eric Curry. How are you, sir? You're back in the States. I am. I am in the Pacific Northwest for like 10 days and then back to Thailand. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will have circumnavigated the globe in about a month, month and a half. You are on the USS Magellan, <laughs> making all the things happen. I would like to have Cicero Holmes back. How are you doing, Yay, sir? Great to see you. Uh, it is it is great to see all of you wonderful humans again. Uh, I am wearing clothes that will hide my birthmark. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't want any crazy rumors to be started. Um, but yeah, it is it is good to uh, re-engage with with all of you. Um, I did that thing there, and uh, and it is it's good to see Greg again. Uh, through the screen, the last time I saw him was in the flesh, which was awesome. That's right. Indianapolis. Yes. We were at Gen Con very briefly. Thank you again for coming and saying hi. That was awesome. Oh, man. Uh, I, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And I expect a book report on the uh, the, the book that I gave you. Uh, did of you course. I'm, I'm <laughs> currently reading it. I haven't gotten to the beach that often, but it is a good beach read. Nice. Um, usually, usually my reading time is taken up by um, like TikTok or Instagram or uh, Marvel Snap or something like that. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is, uh, you know, bidet, bidet worthy. <laughs> You're addicted to the game, I see. Yes. I knew you were an ass sprayer, Cicero. I knew it. That's, oh, of course. Of course. Only the best ones are. Well, you, I think this is your third time back on Re-Engage. And uh, what have you been doing uh, Star Trek-wise over the last uh, year or so? I have been. Uh, I, I never stop talking about Star Trek uh, because when I'm not talking about TNG, I am talking about Star Trek Picard or Star Trek Lower Decks or Star Trek Strange New Worlds or Star Trek Discovery or Star Trek Prodigy. What is that? Um, it's this thing that only cool kids know about. <laughs> On uh, my podcast called uh, Star Trek uh, Discovery Debrief. It's not even called Star Trek. It's called Discovery Debrief. It is a Star Trek podcast <laughs> um, where we do discuss the current palette of Star Trek shows. May they forever, may they reign, and may they never disappear off of the service 
for which we all watch uh, Star Trek, except for Star Trek Prodigy now. Which is disappearing all over, yes. It is fading, fading fast. But uh, yeah, so I I talk about Star Trek there. Sweet, awesome. Well, uh, those of you who are listening who want to get into more current Trek, definitely follow those two podcasts. That's where I get my, you know, discussion time on all that stuff. But let's get into... What's going on with the game? As I said, it is the sixth episode of season five. I can't believe we're that far already. Um, it was a star date by the number of four five two zero eight point two in our world. That was first premiered on October twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one. This was the first episode that aired after the death of Gene Roddenberry. He was, of course, the founder of all things Star Trek from the original series and was instrumental in getting the next generation off the ground. He passed away. He was ill for about six weeks and he died of a blood clot uh, on this day in Santa Monica. uh, And uh, he was 70 years old and he is fondly remembered by all of the cast and crew of this show, as well as the legacy that he created for all Star Trek fans out there. Do we know if Gene actually saw this episode before he passed? Because the next one aired with a in memoriam to him. I'm going to go with a no. Yeah, I mean, well, we're going to have to contact uh, Rod, uh, Gene yeah. Roddenberry's uh, yes. son, to find out if that is true. Did you just say his name is Rod Roddenberry? Well, <laughs> I was reading the article God, fuck on, yeah. on, uh, on Gene Roddenberry's death, and they said his son is known as Rod, but I think actually now he just goes by Eugene, Eugene um, and is yeah. a producer on uh, on Strange New Worlds, I think, actually. Yeah. Come on. I know, right? He will be Rod. Rod. He will be Rod. Rod, forever. Rod. Rod, Rod. Rod, Rod Roddenberry. What an yeah. amazing <laughs> Yes! <laughs> so, yeah, that was four days before this aired on October 24th. On October 29th, the day after this aired, there was a perfect storm. Uh, this was the nor'easter that uh, was a uh, tropical storm, and then it collided and absorbed oh. part of the uh, hurricane uh, that had dissipated already uh, and became what was known as the perfect storm and uh, was a movie starring... Um, the wonderful George Clooney, I believe, in that one, right? Wasn't was uh, wasn't Mark Wahlberg in that? Both, yeah. Both. Oh, both. I think they were both in it, and I oh. remember that. And I saw William that movie. William Fichtner. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. William Fichtner. He's a he's a great that guy actor. Um, that guy. Yeah, he is I, great that guy. <laughs> I remember amazing. it being a pretty forgettable movie, honestly, even though it was supposed to be this amazing uh, thing. The the scene from the trailer where the they see the big right. wave that is, right. you know, really, really tall. That's the best part of the movie that I remember. And Shooter McGavin gets to do the titular line. So it's worth seeing just for that. The perfect storm. <laughs> I just love it when you say titular. Can you say that again? <laughs> the titular line. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just gained a level in the game. On October 29th, the day after this aired as well, uh, I only mention this because it is like the two most perfect uh, baseball guy names. Buck Showalter replaced Stump yes. Merrill as yes. New York Yankees, Yankees manager. Yes. Oh, good old Buck. All right, Kate, what was happening in what was exciting in the entertainment world? Well, finally, Mariah Carey has been taken down from her number one spot on the music charts. We don't have to live in a tomb bondage anymore. (laughs) This is a one week 
at the top of the charts, Romantic by Karen White, which was a song that I was unfamiliar with until I listened to it. And then I was like, this is a great fucking song. So check out Romantic by Karen White. Uh, On the top of the modern music charts, Been Caught Stealin' by Jane's Addiction was number one. I remember that (laughs) video, like, like that video is burned into my retinas at this point it's how i uh, learned how to how to be a shoplifter was from that uh, <laughs> <laughs> put a hand down my dress it works that's right that's right in movies house party 2 was number one yeah and wow. nice. oh yeah awesome. and in the entertainment world disney released the film fantasia on video cassette for 24.99 and on laserdisc for $100. And we'll remember that that was the time when they were still had the Disney vault and made you think that you had to buy everything because it was going to go back in the vault forever. Uh, We were, uh, our entire generation was lied to repeatedly (laughs) and we bought into it and we all have those huge VHS tapes that don't fit (laughs) the size of any of the other VHS tapes that you may have. Uh, It was all a con. Yeah, that white plastic. Uh, oh man, it was, yeah, it was like an inch on either side. Right? Well, it was like it was like an inch <laughs> yeah. all the way around. Like the whole thing was just this. Like it was it was in its own bubble, just in case, <laughs> just in case there were like hard, hard impacts. It was it was, <laughs> it was safe. <laughs> Did you all think there was an actual vault when they? Said oh the yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. There was there was a there was a vault. There was some guy who had like a a, a roll of keys, and, and, you know, and he was just locking these things away with that satisfying clank. Right, his alarm would go off like the the donut guy. <laughs> Eric, I know we have at least one very extremely important. A uh, guest star to talk about for this episode. We do. Cole Meany. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, He's a union man. Give that man a recurring season regular slot. Like, stop calling him a guest star. You know you want to. But first, I will talk before we talk about Leffler from Engineering. <laughs> we will talk about Catherine Moffat as Etana, who we meet at the beginning and in a very different kind of situation at the end, I think gives a fantastic performance in a very interesting, strange, fun character. Uh, a career that lasted quite a while but ended not too long after this with an appearance on Sliders in its final season. She had a very long string of uh, one or two episode uh, guest shots on TV series since the early 70s, but uh, was known to genre fans such as perhaps us as uh, the Scarlet Witch on the Iron Man animated series from the 90s. Uh, which, you know, kind of, if you haven't done a rewatch of that recently, it, it really is worth your time. It was very good. Right around this time was stellar time in her career because she was also doing the new WKRP in Cincinnati. And she was recurring on that one, which, of course, while not being as classic as the original, has some stupid good laughs. Really just uh, over and over and over with uh, guest stars in the kinds of shows that you will remember as, you know, Chips and the A-Team and Fantasy Island and the new Mike Hammer, stuff like that, starting as early as the 70s, as I mentioned, in the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries. Really a terrific career. I thought her performance in this, uh, right from the beginning, trying to keep up with Horndog Riker, was was really delightful. But we're talking primarily, I'm sure, about Robin Leffler 
from engineering. This is the second time we've seen her after Darmok, where she gave what we all are pretty much uh, in agreement as a passable performance of the most <laughs> horrifyingly difficult co-star uh, Trek No Babble one could offer someone making their absolute professional debut as an actor. I'm like, you threw this person to the crocodiles like an asshole. <laughs> and she got eaten. So at least you brought her back for a, a fun uh, character. You know, we'll talk about her performance in real time, but we all know Ashley Judd. Really a terrific career, all said, uh, after this. Um, of course, best known probably as the reigning monarch of late 90s uh, revenge thrillers. Please uh, go seek them out wherever you may find them and enjoy. Still working, still doing all the stuff. And uh, we'll talk about Miss Leffler as we move forward. Awesome. She was in uh, uh, so many things, but I don't know. What, what, would, what would her be her like biggest credit, do you think? like that you would be like oh she's in that i don't i, I can't place anything dolphin tails oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real big though. movie in my household <laughs> <laughs> yep i mean i would say like for me it's it's those uh morgan freeman uh like kiss yeah. the girls kiss the girl that's the yeah, one i was trying to think of and Double Jeopardy was yes. around that time, too. Like, the, those are the ones that, that really stick out for me. I really thought that was going to be an Alex Trebek biopic, but it was not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Jimmy, uh, what can you tell us about the development and or production of this episode? Just a couple of things from this one. This was the first ep episode written by uh, the writer. And I can't remember which of the two, if it was Brandon Braga or Susan Sackett, but uh, Pillar's uh, comment afterwards, like anyone who can make 35 seconds of chocolate eating exciting has got a career. <laughs> <laughs> Pillar uh, explicitly said, I want you to uh, make Wesley hip in this episode. So whatever you have to do to do that. So that's uh, the direction they took with, you know, tall order his uh, his notoriety at the Academy and how many light years it is ahead of him. And as we said, we did mention uh, we met. Leffler uh, a couple of episodes ago. She was supposed to have a third episode, but timing did not work out because of all those uh, revenge th thrillers that were out there. She had to get to them. Also, there was an earlier draft of, I think, Star Trek. What's what's the one after? One of these fucking movies was going to have a scene where Wesley was married and it was going to be Leffler. And it got cut at some point. Oh. That's an Embassy Files. All right, well, let's get into the episode itself. As I said, it is star date 45208.2. And uh, we start off with Riker, uh, as you said, with uh, the character named Atana, the Katarian woman on Ryza. And uh, she is shrieking and laughing very much uh, in a not annoying way at all. Um, and Riker is trying to be flirty. I feel like Jonathan Frakes is trying to be uh, into this, but he's actually not. And then she throws his comm badge. I, I didn't realize what she had until the end when we I see it. Oh, it's his badge. That's his actual, like you know, thing that he needs for Starfleet. And she throws it out the window. And instead of her him being mad about it, he's like, I can't believe you did that. Let's lay on the bed and laugh some more. Yes. <laughs> you can and jump they, on I absolutely thought she was running away with drugs of some sort. We're on Risa. Like, they're flirting. I absolutely was like, she's got an eight ball. <laughs> it's fucking fascinating. Do you know how many credits that was? You just threw it out the window. 
Uh, she has the coolest fucking eyes. She's yes. got those uh, sideways mm-hmm. pupils. She's got kind of the Kermit oh, eyes yeah, going. Yeah, yes. I thought that was rad. Yeah. It's right. rare that we see uh, eyelid distortion. Well, so rare, Kate, that when we see this race again, they do not have the same eyes, nor do they have the same forehead. <laughs> Interesting. But they go out in Voyager. They, go, they have a whole episode, Deadlock, where they explain why they look different. It's uh, ad nauseum. Like, <laughs> Uh, retconning the whole race. <laughs> well, they they spent they spent more time uh, talking about how their their species is different than they did talking about how they got this damn weapon, this game weapon in the first place. Right. It does seem like the technology they have for this is way more than what their ship's technology have. But we'll get to that later. Um, just the final thing on the look of this uh, character, I thought that the. Uh, forehead structure looked like kind of le- vagina like and then i couldn't unsee it now and then i'm like was that on purpose by the makeup people did they do that because i was thinking more giant breasts ah the top two, two giant breasts yes <laughs> is it not utterly predictable that Riker goes to risa on his shore leave <laughs> and it's not like going to Vegas where maybe you just go in for a show or you like the free buffet. When you go to Risa, it's for one no, no, no. reason. One, yeah, we yes. know we know why you're there. You're there for the yeah. Wargon. Right. Right. <laughs> you're there to get your combats thrown out the window. Right? And then to try this new game. I do think there is a uh, a bit of a, uh, a through-line theme here, at least in the first half of this episode, which is about heathenism and, and being open to new experiences and uh, pleasures. And, of course, Riker is the first one to be like, oh, what, how do you play this? this new thing, let me know. Uh, and he immediately gets uh, hooked on it. I like that he's like, how do you play? Cause most people, when they see a VR game for the first time, they're like, what is this? I don't get it. I don't, what, how does this work? Um, and uh, she explained to him, you just gotta let it go. Let it go, put <laughs> the disc into the thing. Uh, I also did see, I mean, we see this graphic for the first time in this teaser that the game that they're seeing is uh, basically shot into their eyeballs, but it's AR, it's not actually VR, it's augmented reality in that it seems to be an overlay on the reality that you're seeing in front of you so that you can kind of see what you see behind there. Jonathan Frakes did go on record as saying like, they thought, they thought they told us there was gonna be this really cool graphic, it was gonna be so super aged, and then it was just this hokey checkerboard with some <laughs> tubes and a, and, a, and a Frisbee on it. Uh, that was uh, state, state of the art. It looks pretty <laughs> dumb, right? Doesn't it, Cicero? Yeah, state of the art for 91. You know, this is this is peak. This is what Tron 2 is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the idea that it's uh, a pleasure-inducing from Riker's uh, 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 next level. <laughs> a bunch of, get... bunch of people's old faces. I was just about to say the same thing, Cicero. <laughs> like, we have to wonder no longer. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this. There's no Enterprise or anything mentioned about it throughout the teaser. We go straight to the credits. Um, and then we get back... Um, to the bridge, Riker comes on. He's like, Whew, I just had a really great uh, shore leave. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> but he's also saying how they're going to be super busy because they have to basically chart this area. They only have two weeks to do it when they had six weeks scheduled. Everyone's super pissed because they're science teams. They're going to have to trade off on using the sensors. It seems to be the, the through line throughout this beginning thing that everything, everything sucks running a starship. Uh, but 
the one piece of good news is Wesley Crusher is coming into town for, for some shore leave of his own. Good old Wesley. Look at Kate. Kate is very excited about this. Yes, this episode was a this episode was definitely a favorite of young Kate. Uh, I think that I've mentioned in previous episodes the um, fan fiction that I wrote about uh, young Wesley and myself. It involved Jeffrey's tubes uh, and the ship being taken over, taken over, and only the kids could fix it. But like many of the same, I would have written this episode. Is what I'm saying. Like had I had I known enough about AR, I would have absolutely fangirled this episode into being. This is a much more mature and and you know I didn't even. I picked up on it, but I didn't realize that it was intentional. I should have realized it. But like, this is a much cooler Wesley Crusher, right? Like, this is a this is a Wesley Crusher that is he's on the cusp of becoming a man, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. you know, so you're you're gonna be man crushing <laughs> um, soon, right? Like, so you know, yeah, he came back and he was respectful and he was. He was still very much right, like the 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 young one of these people. But he definitely, when he came back uh, and met with the crew, he definitely felt more like a mem- like, oh yeah, hey guys, I'll be back here in like six months and I'll be working with you, right, um, right. As it's as that college to, student vibe. I don't know yeah. if any of you have nieces or nephews or, or people have yeah. gone through that vibe going yeah. from high school to college, but they they're 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 a little bit like oh worldly yeah. a little bit like I got this, yeah. uh, which is great. It was a great way to 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 kind of get this reunion back. Uh, they're all anticipating that all the olds on the Enterprise are excited for this, um, and it sounds like Kate actually that fan fiction that you were talking about actually is this episode. <laughs> I know it's very similar. The like... Jeffrey's tubes uh, situation, especially. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Right, so we get to engineer and Jordy is there he's very busy there's the exobiologists and the stellar cartographers and the gamma ray scanners and the lots of scheduling but Riker's like oh that sounds really hard by the way I got this game you gotta try it (laughs) (laughs) they push this game like a drug from the beginning and it's kind of delicious like I know that it's purposeful Mm -hmm. but like it's so normal, right? Like, hey, I I got this great game, right? But like immediately your hackles are like Some, something's not right. <laughs> something's not right. <laughs> it, it so it immediately reminded me of the fact that so uh this year uh I bought my first EV, but I but I traded that one in and then bought another one. So I bought I bought two electric cars this year. And much like everyone else in your life that has bought an electric car, if you talk to me for 10 minutes, I'll, I'll <laughs> volunteer that information and talk about how great they are. We're um, about 10 minutes in. That's perfect. Right, right, right. Exactly. So that's very much like when Riker was coming around and he was talking about that game, I was like, oh, shit, it's me <laughs> and <laughs> stupid electric fucking cars, right? Like, like I just, yeah, it was just, it was always, it was so omnipresent. Every single person, yeah, it was like, oh, man, you guys are fucking Amway distributors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come to my time show Right, right. <laughs> here you go, here you go. Yeah. The, 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 the one thing that I do want to say is the first person that he came to talk to about it was Jordy. And I'm like, that's the last person outside of Data that could actually, like, how the hell does he get hooked to the game? Oh, yeah. Such a good point. Yeah, interesting. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. He wouldn't be able to do it. And they kind of don't really talk about Jordy for the rest of this episode after this. No. 
This is his one scene. Interesting. Huh. All right, plot hole. Uh, Eric, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that I enjoy the idea that over time, a lot of metaphor gets lost because the world has changed. And I think this was clearly such a metaphor for addiction to various drugs, whichever the evil one was at the time. As it's gone on, like watching it now, it's like how fucking boomers can't be trusted around new technology. (laughs) (laughs) And the Gen X characters are like, get this thing out of my face. It's just a game. What are you talking about? Stop taking it so goddamn seriously. (laughs) Uh, Well, then Riker wants to spread the love uh, and goes to Ten Ford where we get that chocolate sundae scene with Troy. I do love his line of like, oh, Mm. should I leave you two alone? Right. <laughs> what a what a parental advisory moment they, yeah, right? they needed for this scene. This whole episode is just mm-hmm. horny as fuck. Yeah. Like <laughs> from beginning to end. Yeah. Ready and, for and, it. And and casual casually horny too. Yes. No, I, I remember this scene in particular because I had to quit chocolate this same year. Oh. So I, I haven't had chocolate since 1991 (laughs) and like watching this scene i'm like i remember this scene really well i remember this feeling (laughs) (laughs) yes live for me deanna let's talk a little bit because she does have chocolate ice cream with chocolate chips in it and hot fudge around it that's a pro move that is that's pro yep that's lifted <laughs> and feet yes. off the ground. And like, I imagine immediately there must be some cooling system in there to make sure the ice cream is always the perfect temperature. It doesn't melt too soon. And Deanna is Cannon. brilliant in this. Uh, Marina is brilliant in this scene, but it's a, a whole different Troy. Like it, it she seems very different than yeah. any other Troy yes. I've seen and suited for this scene. In a vacuum, like this is Troy. He lives. This character lives in this scene and not outside of it at all. Not before or after. Like we never see her again. Um, and it's almost like she's already been taken by the game, and we didn't know. Like the game already. She already played it right. earlier, mm-hmm. and now she's going to have some ice cream after like you know level forty-seven. She's like, I need to cool down. This is. I can't take it anymore. Uh, but it was. It was my favorite part. It was. <laughs> <It's really good. laughs> and she has a glow she looks really good in the scene too she has a glow and i think it's actually really smart that they put this one directly after the previous episode where she gets uh her first kind of chance at, at being in command right it's true she's like i've had a week people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my canon this whole time even when she's like I- i'm fine commander I'm a lieutenant commander now, and I have command experience. I love, I absolutely love how flirtatious they are, even though, like, it's also she's very clear in her, yeah, you just came back right? from your fuck week. How you doing? <laughs> right. But it's like, that is, that is, they accept each other. Like, she just knows who that dude is. And he's like, I brought back a game from Fuck Planet. And she's right. like, I'm in. Uh, right. <laughs> you know? Right. They just accept each other. It was, it was so wild, right? Like, yes, of course, Riker goes to, hedon, you know, planet hedonism. Um, and, but of course, everybody <laughs> knows that's where he came back from and knows exactly what he was doing. And so, yeah, so the first person he tries to be the pusher man on is the is the is the tech nerd. Right. The blind tech nerd. But then the second person is his former lover. And they have this completely flirtatious moment 
after she knows exactly where he came. Like his pheromones must have been yeah. like, you know, like, you know, mixed with the chocolate. Like it was just, and then, then we get that close up mm. of Deanna mm. right before he's like, yeah, you gotta try this game. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'll show you in my quarters, you know, and, and mm. right. And, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, I guess is you know like this post post uh, vacation hangover. Let's right. let's get it. <laughs> when this episode debuted, ninety uh, well that whole year, from ninety one into ninety two, I was in a play touring the state of Wyoming, specifically designed to educate young minds about the dangers of AIDS, HIV AIDS, and right. it, it just shocks me that this episode. <laughs> Just, I mean, we're talking about AIDS was such a big deal that they that James Bond stopped having sex in movies because they're like, we can't right. just push this That's stuff right. anymore. Uh, it's it's killing people, mm. <laughs> and like this is just like we got a we got a planet where you just go and do it, and like it's just free love. And that right. spoon, the way she held that spoon, <laughs> stop, stop it. <laughs> it was good. It was good, and I think it doesn't really get for us, but I think this first part is very much about the hedonism right like like the, these are the characters that would be susceptible to this type of thing i wish they kind of play with that more but we'll we'll get on that uh final thoughts but moving on chief o'brien is there and he beams in you know man crusher crusher man mansley he <laughs> names chief o'brien's daughter says molly i believe that is uh, we said we didn't get that last episode but we do get that here molly o'brien and then he plays off a very well done surprise party misdirect this entire scene of course o'brien knows that they're planning something for him but he's so standoffish about it and poor wesley's like oh i guess they don't like me all right i guess i'll is it okay if i go say hi <laughs> in warp i suppose that will be okay <laughs> really well done and then yay surprise uh they don't have any cake or anything it's not oh, oh no no what do you mean how dare you cake, yeah. please all right. right correct this man Worf, i have made Worf. this cake directly for you. Yeah. What's this row, Jessica? My point was going to be that mm. Wesley stands in that dark room yeah. for way longer than a normal person would stand in a dark room yes. when rooms at that time have the ability to be turned on with your voice. Right? right? There's no, like, yes. computer lights. Right. Or, like, it's just I'm going to stand awkwardly in this dark room for way too long. Well, maybe they have the overhead projector on and he doesn't want to interrupt. They're, they're changing transparencies. Uh, <laughs> There's lots of stuff happening. I, yeah, I, I I just want to point out O'Brien in the transporter room. So we get this, we get a Wesley walking out of the transporter room thinking, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll go to the, the meeting room where they're going to be. And then we see O'Brien just kind of look and then we never see O'Brien again. And he looks kind of sad about it. Oh, he's not invited to the party. Right. <laughs> because he's and, not an officer. Because he's still just a guest star. <laughs> he's still just a right. punk-ass enlisted <laughs> Uh, Troy definitely compliments Wesley on his new uniform um, and that LaVorge says he uh, must be driving all the girls wild with the cut of his jib. <laughs> and they're Latin, some of yes. which is nonsensical. I looked it up. Right, I, that's right. I copied and pasted what they said, and the, the last sentence doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> he says, how's was, your Latin is his first sentence? It was opendi binum or something like that, but one of those words means, well, the, the, the B word means good. Bono, yeah. If I remember something. my uh, Latin. 
Yeah, my Latin from the oh. academy. Um, <laughs> but the first word I forget. Well, I, what I love what they do is they immediately put Wesley to work. They're like, I know you're just here, but we got some problems. We needed to get going. Before that, of course, though, uh, we do see at the end of this little soiree, maybe Troy wants to get Beverly in on this yeah. game. Yeah. Mm. We can do some stretches together in our some, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> beforehand yeah, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do get a walk and talk with Wesley, which I really enjoyed. Wesley and Data talking about the Academy and, and Data recounting his awkwardness uh, in dealing with the social interactions there. It's interesting now in hindsight, you know, learning a lot about um, uh, people who have autism or neurodiverse. I feel like Data is such a great uh, surrogate for for those types of characters because he's very much like i didn't know what to do did you enjoy this deception that we just had for you like he's just such a great honest character uh and the sadie hawkins dance apparently the sadie no hawkins way. dance is still something that happens it's not a thing now thing. it wasn't a thing in 1991 thing. Right. boo 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 <laughs> It was at summer camp, man. What are you talking about? That's when old ass writers are writing. They're like remembering their youth. Right. That's how we can make it the future. The girls get to ask once a year. <laughs> Huzzah. That damn oh, city Hawkins. But then uh, Data says, uh, yeah, your mom taught ah. me how to dance. Huh? Ah. Like that? The dancing doctor. Fully huh? functional. No comments on on. Wesley getting mad about that though. Uh, he seems to be like, sure, no, she deserves to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> the stellar physicist and the planetary evolution team just can't get together. I love this subplot that we don't nerds. Yeah, right. I want to see like nerds fighting and be like, no, we had the telescope <laughs> planned for Tuesday at 4 p.m. and you screwed with us. <laughs> I want to see that scene. They just decide to flip a coin. Maybe they'll just do that. And then it's a throwaway joke. It's not even really a joke, but uh, I think Data says like, oh yes, I'll replicate a coin right now. I love that. That's What's yeah. on that coin? Yeah. What is on oh. that coin? <laughs> Heads and tails. Yes. <laughs> Tasha. Is it spot? One side is Data. One side is uh, a lore. And right. you can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but then we get Beverly in uh, calling, saying that Data is needed. But Troy and Riker are there, and oops, they mess up with Data. And he, she uses yeah, the secret dude. lever that only she knows. But then she told everyone. But you know, this is like a callback to that uh, season one episode where Data tells uh, Crusher about his uh, fail-safe switch in his back, right. um, and Brent Spiner flops down on the bed. Uh, before I get to UK, I just want to say I did see that Brent Spiner said that the first time he did this, he fell on the bed and cut his chin, and he That's had to go to the why hospital. He went slowly the second time. The second time he went slowly. So yeah, he went to the hospital, got stitches, went back to set, and the first thing the director did is like, okay, let's do that again. Wow. And so he had to do it again, just less less hard this time. Physical comedy with kills. I gasped out loud. You gasped when he fell over? Yeah, I had forgotten that that was part. Like, I was, I, had, I had forgotten. I thought that they were going to somehow, like, program him with the game or something. Like, I had just completely forgotten that turning him off was part of it. And I, I, I scared my cat. I scared <laughs> myself a little. But I do have to point out that we skipped a very important scene, Greg, yeah. With the very first introduction of Leffler and uh and young Wesley. We did. Right. Which involves the first 
of many, 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 many lip bites. <laughs> we have to do a lip bite counter for this episode because there, there's like, I'm surprised that there wasn't, you know, a medical bill for preparations <laughs> in the lip with how strongly and firmly both, uh, both young actors were biting those lips. It was intense. What constitutes a relationship in the 24th century? Is it just like, oh, hey, we happen to be heterosexual members of the same species, or maybe even not, but happen to be <laughs> heterosexual species of a certain age. Well, she seemed to have a thing, I think, already in mind about him, too. He, he doesn't know who she is, but she, right. reputation of Wesley Crusher, <laughs> seems true. to have preceded him. And uh, yeah, they, they have a little bit of one-upsmanship here. He wanted to find that uh, birthmark, if you know what I mean. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yes, that is true. I'm talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is, is, is really cute, actually. I thought the two young actors played this really well, despite the amount of lip biting uh, that was happening in here. It was great. And I love the ending of that scene too, where he goes to look at her. Is she going to see, look it back at me? And then that she looks back later uh, in a fun, flirty way. It uh, was... It was very natural, I think, for for young love. What do you, you know, Eric? What do you think? I know you have experienced a lot of young love, <laughs> and you never got in trouble. <laughs> He's a married man. I mean, not in a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so young that I'm not allowed to set, tell people how old I am because they'll assume that she's that old, and we can't have that. Um, I I think it's fun. I you know, it, it's very clear where they both stand and i guess it's good that we saw Riker where he was in the first scene so that we know that just everything's going to be about horn uh the whole rest of the episode is just horn that's it so when the two meet each other and immediately just like spray their pheromones in each other's faces <laughs> like it completely works like it's all we've seen the whole episode already so i'm prepared for it i'm in yeah and i will go so far as to posit that the uh the titular game in this episode, I just want to use the word titular, um, isn't yeah. <laughs> the headset thing that they put on their heads, but it's actually Wesley's game. Wow. Oh. You walked really far out on that dog. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it all came with me. Happily. It is, it uh, is really funny how, um, as you know, I'm foreshadowing just a little, uh, that uh, everyone seems uh, enamored with this game except for the two people most conditioned like that would would stereotypically be preconditioned to playing the games yeah yeah the writers i think liked that contrast right, right. we're like oh it's supposed to be the teenagers but here it is the teenagers saving the adults from right. the addictive game before that we have picard drinking some tea with young wesley crusher bringing out the real tea set for this none of this you know replicate um you know tea or all gray hot nonsense he's like no we're gonna do it for reals one lumper two uh type of things happening and then they talk about the academy and all that and all the fun things i like this because there's a lot of callbacks to earlier episodes including when picard and wesley were on that uh, shuttle together and trading stories about the academy as well as um you know kind of the the whole through line of how picard and and wesley have had their 
conflict than now okay with being the father figure here. What do you guys think about this scene? Pretty ruthless that uh, <laughs> that Wesley goes ahead and tells him that the old man never remembered him. Like, if you're going to go ahead and say he's proud that you're a, a Starship captain, like, lead with that. Like, you can leave out the other shit, man. That's hardcore. I feel like that was like a F you a little bit. Right. Like that he was, had it, you know, nice, oh, you're yeah. not as cool as you think you are, Picard. Right. Yeah, it's a nice bit of trolling by, uh, by Wesley. <laughs> Just be nice to the old man. Give, give him Picard a little bit of comeuppance. He's learning how to yes. do those um, comeuppance. Uh, learning how to do those practical jokes back on him too. Uh, Kate, what did you think? No, it was exactly what Eric said. That that moment was just so awkward and so beautiful. Uh, and then the digging back of being like, but he figured it out once he saw a picture of you. And but Eric is right. Lead with the. I saw the movie. He's very proud of you. <laughs> So funny. Who is AF? Who is AF? Right. As fuck. Atticus right. Finch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Atticus is always going to make you uh, uh, fail a biology. You know, organic chemistry. Organic, organic chemistry class. Yeah. I like that Picard didn't remember at first, too. He's like, what? I don't. Oh, yeah. Uh, like he had that, uh, you know. Allison Foster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always fucking. <Right>. Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pass organic chemistry because I was always fucking. <laughs> gets called down to the sick bay, and then we get some wonderful Trekno babble around the servo malfunctions, and uh, nobody seems too concerned that Data just is passed out, but they're, they want to report and see what can happen, and they go to uh, look in Data's quarters and see what's happening there. We get a cool line here about maybe they should ask Data's cat as to why he's malfunctioning. I like that little... <laughs> call back there um a lot of data's day good old spot yeah right spot doesn't know shit about shit unfortunately but then uh lavorge says okay i'll try this dang game you keep trying to push on me Riker, even though we still don't know how it would work with his uh listen if uh, a robot uh, can uh, feel uh, a blind man like can see right <laughs> it is the future right. after all this is where we get some more laws from leffler she's got uh, uh ferengi rules of acquisition uh but they're her own um and uh she says you have to go with what works that's law number 36 uh and then we have some nice back and forth between them on uh her 102 laws some continuing, I wouldn't even say this is flirtation. This is just more like, no, yeah, we dig each other and uh, we like to spend time working on things and smiling and giggling and doing lots of uh, uh, ears on shoulders. <laughs> Go ahead, there's, definitely a, there's definitely a line I want to steal, though, because he mm. says, will you meet me for coffee? And she says, no, mm. I'll meet you for dinner. And right. that is a baller move. Right. Like that, I love that, that like initial like, rejection into I'm going to one up you I think is very nice. Right. Every everyone's everyone's pranking everyone in this in this episode, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, Including yeah. the woman who threw the cam, cam badge out the right, window. Right. At all. And they set up the dinner, right? For five o'clock. It's I'll meet you at 1700 hours. I mean, I think it's important to note the right, timeline right. here because this is earlier in the day. They meet, they fall in love. They're going out for dinner. And it seems like this whole thing happens in one, not only one day, but she's at work. She has time to go for a date, a romp in the room, but then she has to get back to work. Right. Hmm. <laughs> for next and where day. are they going to put the arboretum in here? They, they can't. <laughs> right. Five o'clock, the blue plate special. <laughs> and ten forward. 
Wesley does bite his lip right before asking her too. He does that like, mm, do you want to meet me for coffee? <laughs> He's playing the game. I'm telling you. Uh, all right, so they uh, uh, go to the quarters, and he's picking out the cool outfit that he's going to wear for the rest of the episode, and he picks one with shoulder pads. Yes, yes. <laughs> Those amazing uh, up-and-down vertical shoulder pad outfit type thing. Um, but his mom doesn't want to hear about his Ooh. romanticals or the things he's planning on doing. She just wants to try this goddamn game. Right. Come on. Definitely up. saw her whole face at the beginning of this oh, uh, yeah. scene. Jiminy. Is this a scene where she puts her arms around his shoulders? Like that was really That's uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> this is not <laughs> the move mom does with her son. Like it was too intimate in a weird way. Right. Especially after her face is flushed. From playing this right. game. From the oh, yeah. yeah. Especially when she issues the line, uh, please have your date here. Right, yes. <laughs> yes. Bring your date over yeah. here. Things are going for. I wonder where this writer went after. <laughs> what other kind of things did they write? <laughs> where were they before? <laughs> so that is a uh, terrible scene. Um, and then <laughs> 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 they get to their date, and it is cute. They have uh, their after work clothes on not their uniform so that you know well so yeah so leffler is definitely in some after work clothes she's in a gown or of some sort and then right. wesley is in this like he's in like i guess starfleet casual wear he's still wearing his combat <laughs> right she's completely oh, off duty and he's on shore leave and he still has his combat on i noticed that yeah, so they, he actually like uses it, I think, in this scene, doesn't he? Like, yeah. So that's probably why it was. Pro I bet they talked about that on set. They're like, "Why would I be wearing my combat?" She's like, "Well, we need to." Look, if Ensign Rowe can take off a jacket and suddenly right. that badge is double badge, the jacket, <laughs> <Right>. then, <laughs> I can, then I can make this work for me. It's okay. We truly are in the future, if that's possible. <laughs> but it's cute. You know, they get the biographical information about Leffler, like her, her parents moved around a lot. So she's an army brat, Jimmy, right? Like you have a lot in common with her too. My first toy, my first friend was an M16. <laughs> <laughs> but then she made her first law you can only count on yourself and that's uh you know a sad, sad. law i sad. think it's very sad very very sad little five-year-old making sitting down right. and writing a very serious law and we all take it so seriously yeah but then they said it's just a fad this game that everyone's playing my mom is trying to get me to play it too and oh and they're like, hmm, maybe we should spend our time doing science together. <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? <laughs> so they go take the uh, the headset to a engineering lab, and they start uh, learning about it. This is where we learn that it is uh, is stimulating the prefrontal cortex and the uh, wait. Hold on, that has to do with reasoning. Um, which I guess is the entire scientific explanation behind this game, and that somehow. And using the uh, serotonin level increase as a reward system, it takes over the reasoning of the brain, and then that equals mind control. Yeah, duh. Right? Yes. That's how uh, that formula yeah. works. I mean, you're yeah. saying it sarcastically, but it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I think you need to play this game. Uh, you're not really on board with what I'm saying right now, so let's get some psychotropically, psychotropically active things <laughs> happening. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Well, they figure out that there's something not cool with it. It is another Ashley Judd doing her best with Trekno Babble. I think she actually does a better job in this scene than she did in the previous episode because she got some practice saying right. uh, nonsense scientific words. But then they're like, all right, let's go to the captain. And uh, Wesley's like, there's this game. I got this thing. I'm worried about it. And Picard's like, oh, yes, of course. We'll look right into it. And then he puts on the headset. He's a dipping right. too. And it was right behind oh. him the whole time. The whole time. So the way <laughs> Wesley starts this scene, he takes this pregnant pause that's totally unearned before he says the whole ship seems to be taken by this game. As if what he's about to say is like, uh, listen, I want to talk to you about your drinking. Or I want like it's like he's got some big intervention or something like that. He should have trepidation saying words like I, I just didn't get it. Like it, it was a that was it took me back to oh yeah that's why I don't like you. You make really bad acting choices. Maybe Jimmy the the reason is because he feels like Picard owns the ship and he doesn't mm. want to be the person to tell Dad what's happening mm. in his house. Canon. Right? Canon. Oh. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah, because he's not technically a member of the crew, right? right? Like, he's not reporting through the chain of command here, right? He's just trying to be like, hey, we had tea in here like two hours ago. Right. I got to tell you about an emergency yeah. that only Listen. I know about. Yeah, remember when I told you the old man didn't remember right. you? <laughs> Good times. That was all part of the game. Right. He should have started, he should have started with the conversation. Um, how do you feel like when your mom like puts her arms around you? <laughs> yes. By now, though, it, the entire crew seems addicted to this. They go back to 10 forward and it seems like you're right, Jimmy. The timeline of this is completely compressed because it felt like just 45 minutes ago there was nobody in 10 forward had the game. Maybe just one of them. But now everybody on the entire 10 forward has got it, including uh, our best friend Cole Meany. Uh, who is doing the game as he's talking and be like, you got to try this. It's so great. <laughs> he, and he's neglecting his newborn baby yeah. at this time to play this just game. like video games do, man. I got his fix. I think right. the baby's got the high score, dude. <laughs> Molly, she's crushing it. My wife played a lot of Candy Crush. No one knows how to let go like Molly. When, when pregnant slash having a newborn baby, crushing it Crushing. with the Candy Crush while being addicted to the game. They make a great leap here. We've talked a lot before how oh, how could they possibly have made this logical leap? But Data, uh, but Wesley does it about Data saying that like, if you were going to take, let's just, <laughs> I've been on this ship before. It seems to get taken over often. <laughs> if you were going to take it over with a psychotropic uh, game, Data would be the one who would not be susceptible to it. And isn't he malfunctioning? Bum, bum, bum. So they go to try to figure out what's going on there. Meanwhile, all of the addicted folks on the crew are just following orders as normal, which is weird that they're following protocols while also being mind controlled. Uh, but whatever, they go to a specific uh, place <laughs> that's happening there, and they're going to see to it that we get everybody, whatever, including Wesley, uh, on 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 board with this game and start playing it. Well, and don't you guys feel a little ripped off that we didn't get a scene where we see Worf playing the game for the first time? You ever convinced him to put it on? I would imagine his old face is just angry yelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, from what we know of of the Klingons, it would be like ah, like when the when the uh, Klingon dies, right? They do that like bellow uh, to let them know that a warrior is coming. That's what it feels like to me. 
Or maybe that's just my. Yeah, all you have to do is during one of the walk and talks in the in the hallway, you just hear that from inside one of the rooms. <laughs> uh oh. Wolf Don't go joined. into uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Holodeck 4. <laughs> For about two the ship hours. Self -cleaning, yeah, though. <laughs> self cleaning. But they have this wonderful thing where Worf and Beverly are like, well, we got to get them to have the game. They got to have the game. And then they open up the door and they bust in on two teens in bed playing the game on each other. <laughs> but yeah, I love that moment of like, oh, okay, good. They're 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 humping on a bed. That's right. all we need right now. Yeah. And then they're like, take off the things. All right, they're gone. We can do what we need to do with our plans. Um, but I thought that was a nice... Let's go kick some more rocks. Juxtaposition of like the <laughs> expectation of the audience versus what they're, what they're trying to do here. Back to the bridge, and this is where we see a ship at the uh, coordinates that they were going to go to and we see the captain on screen and it is uh, Atana, the lady who was enticing Riker on Ryza. But she's not as playful and giggly now, is she? Mm -mm. She means business. Enticing mm -hmm. Atana is what they call her. Dominatrix. Atana. Atana Joel. Enticing Atana. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah, she's she's all about business right now, which again, like there's so many things. I need a whole nother episode to talk about the game, right? The creation of this game and how this device works because now we're discovering apparently all of these all of the people that have been infected by this game have been receiving instructions from Atana on what to do. Uh, even though we've we've yet to see any real communication between uh, Atana and and anyone or the crew with anyone outside of Riker, um, with with as the kind of like Pied Piper as the as the pusher person um, for for this particular product, but then but then like everybody's got it. They all know what to do. They are operating normally they have all of their memories but they're also being mind controlled i just I, like i'm so confused yeah i'm so confused powerful by this stuff wonderful <laughs> wonderful toy where do they get these wonderful toys <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's it's just a, a further kind of brings further the idea that hollywood loves to explore which is that addicts can't be trusted right. yeah that you're easily manipulated as long as you have any sort of addiction uh, like that's that's a long-term favorite trope of Hollywood. So it's uh, I, I think they were just lazy with that. <laughs> They're like they'll do anything for this, include including you know two weeks in, throw their favorite person on the floor and stomp them in the head, just because uh, you know Itana says so. Right. I got to get one more hit. I got to get to level forty-seven. Considering what Cicero was saying when this whole. Thing came up. I was like, "Who are the? Who is this race that could make something so uh, so advanced? They could take over a ship and and very within inches of really infiltrating the Federation at large and, and deep dived into who this race was. They actually in the canon they had warp coils in what was Earth's twenty first century, so that uh, our timeline. So they were spacefaring." while we were still shuttling it about. But then somehow they just got surpassed. Right. Like they got lazy, something happened. And by the time we meet them in this episode, you know, we learn that they're far inferior in terms of what they could do 
militarily like they're you know they say we foul we far out uh gun them in every way so they they lose their way in so many in, in so much scientifically but still come up with this great way of almost taking over the federation and we don't really hear about them again in tng like they don't become mm-hmm. a baddie you know they're not right. the cardassians are like we don't visit right. them again like the romulans like these are ones we got to watch out for because they can fuck shit up and don't have the moral like problem with that either right? right like the fact that they would just try this also the fact that this is part of a program like it's a military program right that like expansion project they kind of talk about like that this is a plan that had been put in place and enacted over a long period of time right. not just like a rogue like that, that i thought that's at first like maybe this was just a qatarian who just found this game and then was attempting to do this takeover on their own but no it seems to make it seem like it is the government this, of this, this was an, an, an initiative it. yeah mm-hmm. Exactly. We'll we'll get more on that when we do our final thoughts because there's a lot of parts where this entire episode falls apart. They think that they <laughs> might be able to get it onto the starbase, and they send shuttles off to various ships to try to get the game replicated uh, and and in all the places. And then he says, "Oh, we might have a way to get it into the Starfleet Academy." And she says, "Oh, fantastic! Let's make that happen." They went to Data. Yeah, they went and- to Data and. Yeah, I they figured out that he had been sabotaged yeah. uh, by someone very specific, and that's where they kind of knew that there was right. yeah. Yeah. my mom or Jordan. Two people that I trust <laughs> the most uh, are the ones. The ultimate violation against uh, a Starfleet officer. They go to engineering, uh, both Wesley and Leffler. I like that they've got a plan and they're working together. Wesley has a couple of fail-safe programs that he mentions here. He's like, oh, I'll do this if they try something. Then it's all about him running. But we, we can kind of move over a bunch of this because it's mostly just action here. Did you guys have any thoughts, maybe, uh, Kate, about about Wesley moving very quickly in the Jeff Reed's <laughs> tubes? Uh, I love, there's a lot of different kinds of subterfuge that I was actually impressed with. Right. Like they have Wesley doing a lot of intriguing things like setting up that little um, phaser to to fire at the thing and right. do misdirection. At one point he has more yeah, field cutting. Point, yeah, it's he a new still has his own warp programs right. that we assume he put in when he was there before that are still active. Um, feels like they need to run a security protocol on that. But oh, he set those up new, I think. He, yeah. Oh, you think so? Okay. But yeah. still, uh, it was it was a fun little game of cat and mouse. Like, there's only so much you can do in those hallways. So I thought that they made the most of different kinds of danger. And of course, anytime you send someone to the Jeffries tubes, I'm going to be a happy camper. It was cool. And I like that it's also a whole audience misdirect. Like we think he's trying to actually get away, but it was just buying time. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good payoff for all the shit we've already heard about the, the stunts he was pulling at Starfleet Academy. Mm. Like this is supposed to be a more creative and a more kind of adult and dangerous Wesley. So it's it's neat that with you know very little time he does that you know line of sight transporter trick and all the other stuff they start talking about like it's it's neat and he's having fun you know he's he's james bonding it i would say that it's really stupid when those two crewmen come to take a look at the phaser like they keep putting their face right by where the phaser is hitting the force field (laughs) exactly inches away like that's very dumb and eric there's an open door right behind (laughs) yes the door doesn't close behind Wesley's. This is the open door. That they no. don't even think no, to let's investigate. Look nope. at this phaser <laughs> shooting. Yeah, let me right. look Stand closer. right next to you. Yeah. Because you only see that open door with the sound effect. Oh. You hear the sound effect opening. Right. But yeah, I know. I, I noted that as well. Uh, what did you? What is your... I, maybe, uh, sister, I'll ask you this. Did you think that Leffler did play the game at the end? 
Uh, and that reveal was kind of fun. Like, did you think that she, or was she playing along? So I, I assumed that she had played the game, but I was upset and I was actually going to mention this. I was upset by how zombified she seemed, right? Like she seemed out of it in a way that nobody else that had played the game seemed out of it. And like, that was supposed to be our indication that she wasn't normal anymore. And then, of course, everyone, you know, th- there was there was a second surprise party, this time in engineering for for <laughs> Wesley, where everyone was there. And then we got to see <laughs> we, we got to see uh, athletic Wesley. Yeah, he's very fast. Yes. Yeah. yeah he jumped the table. Jumps the he table. Was, you know. He was Bo and Luke Duke in it, and and then (laughs) (laughs) ran out that you know ran down the hallway and was quite quite nimble in those Jeffrey's tubes. Um, He turned all the way around in the Jeffrey's tube. I can't even imagine doing that, (laughs) even as a kid. Rubbermaid, yes. So Um, and then he gets that other door open, and Riker's there about to grab him. I'm like, ah, (laughs) yeah, that's fun. I also want to bring up the the awkward scene in the turbo lift with the gamer yes. woman and Wesley. Was that yes. Alyssa, by the way? Yes, yes it was Alyssa. They're, they're Sagawa, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was. They're okay. Sagawa. Yeah, I, I genuinely think that's one of the funniest scenes in Star Trek history. <laughs> I just think the timing is gorgeous. His, his shit that he's playing with there is just really, it's delightful. It's super fun. The two of them had a great scene right there. And that is where she mentions that she's on level 47 yes. and, and tries to hop in. That was the one where I felt like, okay, you're, you're, you're preceding World of Warcraft. But I feel like that was the same conversations people were having back then. Uh, all right. We get to the end, the bridge. We pulled uh, Crusher onto the captain's chair and they're holding him down and they're trying to get him to play this game. It felt very much like uh, Clockwork Orange, like, you know, hold him down, get the get the evidence of the glossies in front of him. But then the lights go out and Data enters and he's got a flashlight and he saves the day. Right. I, flashlight. I don't remember that part. I was too busy having a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be in a Star Trek acid party, right? I wish it was. It I don't to. think it is. Uh, oh, I know they, they, they over-index on the earlier uh, seasons for, for Star Trek acid powdery, but it should be. We're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back. Um, so then they figure out that the, uh, the, the flashing lights was enough to deprogram everybody, and there's a little bit of a, what am I doing? What have we been doing this whole time, even though they all remember what they were doing? Right. Basically, the whole geek was up. Crusher saved Data so that he could spend time, and then Data uh, was uh, working on this device while Wesley was leading the ball in this wild goose chase to get to him. Then we get to the Katarians, and they get tractor beamed, and then they're like, we're going to fire on you, and this is where we find out how outmatched they are by the Enterprise, and they all kind of like laugh, and she's like, oh yeah, I guess, okay. And then they take it back to a starbase, and that's it. The vacation is over. Thankfully, Wesley Crusher gets uh, reported back to Starfleet Academy, and uh, we get a nice little scene here that they have totally smashed, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. When? Like, don't know. <laughs> after they saved the right. base days are after long. After they saved dude. the ship, right? They're like, all right, well, let's go to the long. arboretum. Right. And this is that first on-screen kiss, uh, Ashley Judd's first on-screen, and it's it's a doozy. They it go in doozy. for like doubles. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, they're biting lips, biting each other's yeah. lips. It's very nice. I like that she gives him her her laws and it's like in calendar of the month fashion right like where you like rip off day by day yeah. one of leffler's laws 
Yeah. And I'm glad that technology still yep. exists right. in the 24th century and that it's being wow. used. It is one of those right. like far-sighted day things. As intended. It very much was like she gave him her her, uh, her mixtape, right? Like, oh, yes. for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and he was supposed to take that with him. But before he took that with him, he left the law of his own. <laughs> you know, even a few light years is not too far for... Very good friends, which is what what a progressive way to talk about some person that you just casually hooked up with, um, you know, and you're kissing afterwards. They're very good friends. You kiss beforehand and then you call them a very good friend. I've gotten slapped in the face for, for, <laughs> for, for, for less. Yeah, um, yep. it is. It is remarkable. Ruthless. Yeah. This guy. Remarkable. Man, when I grow up. <laughs> I need I need some shoulder pads. That's what it was. It was the shoulder pads. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Jimmy, I will throw it to you first. What did you think of the game? It's okay. It's not a great episode. I'm gonna give it three Kate Yeager Wesley <laughs> fantasies, which as we all know are so great and intense that actually converts to oh, wow. a six. Oh wow and uh rating so a six you know we i love to talk is this uh a, a must see can you skip over it and you absolutely can skip over it. you can not watch this and you will still get a very full understanding of the tng universe it really doesn't add to the world building it doesn't even really add to wesley's world building even though he's a very different wesley than we've seen before. Uh, when we meet him again, this doesn't have uh, seem to have impacted who he is and carried with him. So it's uh, not terrible, but if you can't fit it in, mm. don't feel Counterpoint, bad. Counterpoint, Kent Yeager. Oh my gosh, this is hard for me because I want to just give it a big rating because of my past love for Wesley Crusher. But with my older eyes, I'm going to give it um, seven and a half hidden birthmarks. <laughs> And I think I think Jimmy is right, though, in that this is not a must see. Right. Like I like it more because of my personal taste. Uh, it's not a fantastic episode, but it's certainly not the worst episode that we have seen uh, and certainly stands up uh, better than some of the episodes that we have watched previously where we're like, oh, <laughs> How did that ever make it on television? So uh, I'm giving it uh, a higher mark uh, just because I do like the subverting of the story that it would be the the kids in this instance um, who are more discerning with what they do with their bodies and their free time and with their, you know, like that the, there's this story of um, addiction but that it's not like kids don't do drugs. It's it's more about the adults losing their control. And uh, certainly this episode also feels prescient in some ways uh, in terms of addiction to phones and to games themselves and how much time we spend on our devices and how much um, that hurts us. Or, you know, there's been a lot of uh, studies about social media and younger kids and what that does to their brains and like it does seem sort of prescient in that in that re regard although I think you're right Eric I think this was initially like a you know McGruff the crime dog says don't do drugs kids <laughs> so that's where I'm gonna leave it 
All right. All right. That makes sense. Uh, Eric, we'll go to you before we go to Cicero. Well, I did play McGruff the Crime Dog for one day in 1995 or 6. I think I got 100. Right. Anyway, I, I give this 3.2 decades since I've had chocolate. <laughs> mm. I, I do not care for this episode. I I think all the reasons have been pretty heavily gone into. I think the writers did the actors no help, and the actors said, I won't give you any help either. <laughs> uh, so they were just all angry at each other. I, I will say that there's always just a ton of fun to be had just watching Michael Dorn and watching Brent Spiner. Whether they're the focal points of the of the scene or not, they are always, always in a comedy whether anyone else is or not. And it is <laughs> so fun to watch. Um, and especially now we've been talking the last few episodes, especially now that it seems like the writers know what they have in both of them, uh, which are, are comedy geniuses in their own ways. Uh, and they're, they're giving Worf a lot more to do with that. And they're giving uh, Data many opportunities to, to make a face while frozen that he never ever misses on. So when they turn him off and he's down on his stomach, they're, they're moving his arm and his head around and shit. And that's the stuff that he has decided is on his face is just fantastic. So uh, 3.2, but you know, it would have been much lower without the presence of Brent Spiner and, and Michael Dorn at all. Nice. Well, uh, Cicero as a gamer and a Star Trek fan and a Wesley aficionado, what do you think? So this was one of my most memorable or one of the, the episodes I remembered the most from from my youth. And it might be because of my affinity with video games and anything that had to do with games. It was something um, that I was attracted to. But also because uh, Wesley Crusher was uh, was an avatar for all of us on the on the you know on the the bridge of of the enterprise anytime he was back it was something that i was paying attention to so i give this so even today i give this eight impenetrable visors out of ten um because it like no everybody everything that everyone else said was right right like it's not essential viewing for understanding what tng is it's not a particularly well-written episode but it's it's campy it's fun right like all of the things that like all of the things that are the chocolate right that are the dessert of star of mm. of tng exists within this episode it's campy you've got uh riker running around being a gigolo you've got like just all sorts of really weird things you've got picard losing his composure and becoming infected with this game right and and then you've got like not wesley's final form but him morphing into his final form before you know before he goes off into whatever goofy adventures him and the traveler go on wow you know oh here we go wesley's grown up that's cool i'm growing up too that's cool here we, here we are so for all of those reasons i appreciate it the one thing that i will say about this episode and, and watching it is we learned what happened right like sure we don't know where the hell really this game came from it's some kind of goofy initiative but we learned what happened that that will Riker went to the hedonism planet he went to highs and and then was compromised by a double agent 
and nobody has said a word about it. Nothing has been said about the fact that maybe we need to change our protocols if it was this easy for them to almost take over all of Starfleet, right? Like if it wasn't for the fact that Wesley Crusher, this, this precocious genius, came back to the Enterprise and that the Enterprise had this, you know, amazing android on their ship, all of Starfleet would be gone. All of Starfleet <laughs> would be would be in control. Maybe even the the known sentient galaxy would have been under the control of the Katarans. Right, right. Well, because, because Will Riker needed to get some alien strange on on Ryza, right? Like where where is the tribunal, right? Like where is the where's yeah. the rules where's committee? The court marshal? Right, where's the rules committee on on what we should Wait, do going forward? Is that what Strange New Worlds is about? Do I have yeah, to start? Maybe. <laughs> you should watch you it. Should it's watch totally it. about that. Yeah, that yeah. that P plus means a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that makes sense, uh, Cicero. We'll go back to you just to, uh, so you can plug your uh, what you're doing again. But I'll just say real quick, I I liked this episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm probably going to give it a four Molly O'Briens uh, who are being neglected uh, in this episode because this was fodder for all of the olds to tell us that video games are rotting your brain and you cannot do it and this is why it was bad and it, it's such a leap from uh the writer saying that they were writing this about like oh there i had a game boy uh and i played tetris a bunch and i wanted to write something about that so they had the right um i think I- I- initial thoughts around it but it just made it so tropey and falling into the after school special type of thing of like well this is what happens if you play too much of those dying video games and that bothered me on such a level because it's not what happens when you play video games. Yes, you can be addicted. Yes, you can be slack-jawed when you're playing Mario Kart. That doesn't mean it's bad. It means your your mind is active and that you are, uh, uh, you know, doing a lot of work. Can it be uh, something that you do too much? Sure. That's true of everything, but it does not maligning the one thing that is not uh, a, a detriment to you. And I've been fighting that fight for my entire life, it feels like. And... This is something that was supposed to be a safe place. Wesley's supposed to be a safe place. Uh, Star Trek <laughs> is supposed to be safe. And I felt like even back then and then watching this again now, it's like this. My mom wrote this episode <laughs> and she was wrong. And for that alone, I give it for uh, for Molly. I just really enjoy playing uh, Mario Kart Slackjawed. I think that's the point. <laughs> As you do. I know. It's great. Uh, Well, thanks again, Cicero, for being a part of this. Where can people find out more about what you're doing and all the amazing Star Trek you talk about? If you still believe social media is a thing, you can find me uh, at Stubby Stan on... I don't know. If you if you Google me and social media and Stubby Stan, you may find me on some of those <laughs> applications, whatever they are. They're everywhere now. They're they're more they're more social media sites than there are streaming services. Um, but if you and Star Trek series, right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but if you are a fan of uh, Reengage, because of course you've listened to this entire episode and you've finished it. Um, and you're a fan of Star Trek and, and you like uh, the new 
newer versions of Trek, or you're even interested in them, please check out Discovery Debrief uh, at DSC Debrief on uh, social media. Uh, we are talking about the current slate of Star Trek shows. We are a, a compendium for your viewing pleasure of those particular shows. Uh, we do episode by episode analyses as well as season recaps and uh, talk about extended universe stuff, video games, books, um, uh, YouTube series. Uh, so all of those things, you can be f feel free to check those things out there. I also do a video game podcast where we, uh, it's called Test Your Might, where we debate uh, video games. It is the internet's only video game debate show. So think ESPN's first take, but for video games, it's complete nonsense and and absolutely ridiculous. I play Stephen A. Smith. I am egregious. Um, so yeah, go ahead and wrong. Right, go ahead and check us out um, on your favorite podcatcher uh, at What the Fun Pod on social media or, or Test Your Might. Uh, on your favorite podcatcher, um, please check us out there. So, thank you, thank you guys for awesome. having me. I, I, I love to do this again. Great, it's actually, thank an you. episode. This is my third time on. This is the first episode that I actually liked that you guys have had me on. So, thank you very much. Great. Yeah, nice. maybe we can maybe we can do an actual good one for for go. the next time. Right. <laughs> we'll do it. We just got to make sure one. we know which one those are, and we'll make sure our pants are oh, all yeah. wet before that. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Blue Sky and the site formerly known as Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge officers. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Curry is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is visible at gregtito.com and at Greg Tito on Twitter and Blue Sky. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Insta. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito, Kate Yeager, or Jimmy G. Logo artwork is by mojojojo underscore 97 on Twitter or mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we reengage. <laughs>